I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. This is Summer. Um, Felina's still out on sabbatical, so Carmen's helping me out for a few minutes. As we mentioned in the last episode, we, of course, we talk about missing and murdered indigenous women a lot on the show. And as we mentioned, we had planned to do a show highlighting a particular case the case of Aubrey Dameron, who is a Cherokee woman who has been missing since March. And Carmen was gracious enough to um, put her journalism hat on and interview a couple family members. And with the intent that we would, you know, take a few sound bites and condense it into one show. But on the playback and listening to the family talk about Aubrey and her life and who she is and all of that it seemed a shame to take just a few snippets and instead we decided to expand it into a series and just let them tell Aubrey's story Um, we think it's very important for people to understand Aubrey's story um, to understand how important it is that she be brought back to her family. Um, she's been missing since March without her medication. So even if foul play wasn't an issue from the beginning, you know, being without her necessary medication makes her an endangered person. Um, and, you know, we also kind of cover the topic of the concept of high risk, which we need to do away with and instead consider those cases high priority because people matter their lives matter and just please listen to Aubrey's family and if you have any information about Aubrey please contact the authorities the Cherokee Nation Marshals can be called at 918-207-3800 please it's so important that Aubrey be back to her family Christian your relationship to Aubrey would you let me know again absolutely Aubrey is my niece she is my sister's daughter. Excellent. Um, we are asking the big question first. Who was Aubrey Shorty Dameron? Aubrey was pretty much the person that you would want to surround yourself with whenever you wanted personal growth. She was always the person who would speak up for the underdog. She always made sure that everyone was as comfortable as she could make them. She never wanted anyone to be uncomfortable because she grew up her entire life feeling that way in some sense um she she was very very she was very in touch with a a lot of people like people's emotions things like that she was always making sure that she was just very caring in a sense um she she loved music she loved to perform she would she would sit there in the living room and she would be watching youtube videos while we were watching tv and she would start like humming and then the humming would slowly pick up to like faint singing. And then like within a few minutes, next thing you know, like we have the TV turned down and she has the computer turned up and she's dancing and performing in the living room. So she just really loved uh, pretty much entertaining. She loved entertaining. I mean, that was her thing, whether it was singing, whether it was dancing or uh, dressing up. I mean, she had the, she had this uh, really great sense of style i mean her own style 
she would just pull things together and wear it. I mean, I've seen her before inside of a, a club. She was wearing pajama pants and she was dancing with everyone and just not a care in the world. She was in there in pajama and everyone else was in there dressed. To the tent. <laughs> she was more confident than anyone else. So it was great. Uh, she's just really amazing. I mean, we had friends growing up who they all come from different circumstances and Aubrey always made sure that they knew that she would be there for them. She always kept the door open in a sense, whether it was them needing a place to stay, whether it was them needing a shoulder to cry on, she was always there to offer that to them. And she never looked for anything in return. Um, she was always the person to ask you how you're doing. And she's, she would always give you a kiss on the cheek and a hug every time that she saw you. And even to people who uh, we grew up with, who we weren't really even close with, whenever she would talk to them, you would think that they were long lost friends. It really seems to me like she made people, like you said, feel at home and just to do unto others as she wanted done unto her. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> that golden rule. Um, yes. Like I said, during this podcast and during this time, I want to be, um, I want everyone close to her to be the voice for her. What else could you tell me if um, you were a recipient on the other side of, say, it, and, and pardon the familiarity of the idea, but if you were the other side of a date, what would she have told you about herself up front? Um, she would say, of course, her name. She would. What did she? How, what did she go by? How did she? Pardon me to interrupt. How does she? How did she introduce herself to people if you were to meet her on the street? She would say, "My name is Aubrey." I mean, um, she wouldn't. She didn't really tell people that her nickname was Shorty mm -hmm. until you kind of got to know her a little bit. But she she loved the name Aubrey, um, and she was she was very proud of the name. She would say her name was Aubrey Dameron, and she would always say her last name. It was always a formal opening. Mm -hmm. um, introducing herself, she would probably say a lot of what I just said, talking about how she loves music and dancing and things like that. Um, she she would talk about movies, just like different things that she really enjoyed. I mean, she would always um, she she would talk about just things that she was enjoying at this time. I mean, for her, it was always evolving. Um, there was always something new that she would uh, be catching on to. She would talk about, uh, you know, just every everyday thing. And I guess that's kind of a hard question to answer because I don't really see her sitting there uh, talking, going on for, for very long about herself. Right. Or she gets asking about the other person. Wonderful, wonderful. I love that. And that's what I think made people really, really take to her. Um, Christian, what would you say that, hmm, what would you say about the Kenwood Indian reservation that was mentioned in the Vanished podcast, as well as is in the area of Oklahoma Grove area? Um, tell me what the significance of it is and tell me what you know about it. We all, as Native Americans in Oklahoma, know about it tell me what you know and how it okay. relates to the case um so me and aubrey we lived in northeast oklahoma our entire lives uh, we were, were six months apart i mean i'm six months older than her so we grew up pretty much in the area not so much in kenwood but we heard a lot about it growing up 
Uh, we lived in Grove from the time we were in middle school up and uh, me up until a few years ago. And Aubrey lived in Grove up until uh, she disappeared earlier this year. She, uh, the area, I mean, Grove, it's, it's a nice community. I mean, it's the people there, they're not very progressive in that sense. It's a retirement community. So a lot of them are um, conservative and Kenwood, as I said, I don't really know a lot about it, but how it played in is um, we ended up having someone let it tell us that uh, someone who lives in Kenwood said that uh, dropped a few people's names right. said that Aubrey was uh, buried on the side of a hill and it's the flag that's in this opening. And if this woman was to stand up, you would be able to see the flag. So these were the hills we were we heard about during the um, other podcasts and that I've heard yeah. about through the different groups that we all belong to in Oklahoma. Yes, uh, those hills. I mean, Kenwood is a really small community. It kind of runs along this uh, creek, a really cold creek. I forgot what it's called, but um, there's hills that surround it, which pretty much block you from getting any kind of cellular service down there. Um, you have to literally climb those hills to get cell service. So it's a really secluded area. It's really, really nice. It's just um, the drugs that were coming in and uh, the people that have began to occupy the area have made the community less welcoming. And during our cast, we hope to speak about the idea of exactly what a reservation is, what the different rules from in from the regular Western society outside and how people can understand that more, just so you know, so we will. Was Kenwood one of those things like in Tulsa, they will talk about, quote unquote, it's almost like a threat that you might go there or you might have to, you know, you don't want to have to go over that way. Yes. Uh, whenever we those tips came in, we were looking to get a, a search teams and a group a search party out there. And people that we had reached out to said that they didn't feel comfortable to showing up there. They were looking for uh, law enforcement to provide some escorts, which uh, didn't really happen or didn't happen at all. I mean, the one that showed up said at the police station the entire time while everyone else was on the ground. Right. Or the fire station, I apologize. No, don't. You're just fine. We want to shed some light on Kenwood and on the reservation situations around, and that is perfect what would you, the big question that we want to ask you and Pam, the other family member we're talking to today, what would you have done differently and what would you like to have seen done differently up until now in the investigation since we want to remind you and everyone else that it's still ongoing? We are still looking. There are so many things that I would have done differently, beginning with not sitting on it and not just taking a police report and leaving it like that for over a week, I would have began asking questions, knocking on doors. I would have started looking directly at the people who had last seen her and arranged some sort of search party. Um, I mean, that's something that we did do, but um, I, I would have just taken it more serious. We were told um, whenever we began to reach out that due to her lifestyle, due to the fact that she had 500 uh, Facebook friends who were male, and due to the fact that she was known to use an illegal substance, that they didn't believe that she was missing. Mm. I, I don't understand. I don't. I can't grasp why anyone would think someone would just, you know, all of us, like an entire family would be like, okay, this person's missing. Why we would be putting on that kind of show or anything like that? 
our loved one is actually missing and for them not to do anything for over a week and for them to continue to question it because through this entire process not only are we fighting to bring Aubrey home we're also fighting to prove that she's missing we're fighting to get these people who are behind badges who are in positions of power to actually help us absolutely um your sentiment is shared throughout with the people that run this podcast, me and Summer. Um, absolutely share your family's feelings that law enforcement are paid to do what they're paid to do, regardless of someone. And I was speaking with a good friend of mine, a yogi friend of mine, and they said something that really resonated with me. And I wanted to make sure that you guys heard it, that the more high risk, quote unquote, which we need to, I would like to say worse words, we need to say toss that out of society. Um, a person that's quote-unquote high risk, it should have more resources faster. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, yes. There should be um, more outlets. I mean, that should be something that's taking... I mean, every missing person, I apologize, every missing person should be taken serious. Right. But whenever someone is part of a minority or, as, you, uh, as we say, a high-risk lifestyle... There are so many things working against them in the instance that if uh, when they are actually missing that there's less people willing to reach out and help if they are in a situation where they need help right then and there. And there's with living in the Bible Belt, people would probably shrug, uh, not probably, they shrug it off if they look at you and they don't see themselves or they don't see something that rec uh that they can resonate with, then they would probably shrug it off. So people who are part of these groups, these at-risk groups, whether it's LGBT, whether it's Native American, whether it's black, whether it's anything else, uh, Hispanic, they need that needs to be taken serious because there's limited people who are out there who are actually willing to help. Absolutely, Christian. Um, as we said, the high-risk idea more needs to be toward the... Um, needing resources, needing, if someone, pardon, I know Aubrey was not known to be mentally ill. Um, I know she did have a seizure medication and we'll talk about that in a moment, but the idea of someone's mentally ill has been, or is on drugs, um, is working, you know, to support habits or things like that in an alternative way, which sex work is a valid way of supporting yourself and things like that need to be the more resources the more people need to be looking the faster they need to be looking for them and the more of a priority they ought become so that's as far as we're concerned on this side and our harm reduction lifestyles um christian as a last question i have and i don't want to get too uh salacious we want to talk more about about who aubrey was but tell me about the New Mexico boyfriend that we've heard a little bit about. She left as us native girls do. Girls and boys do a lot of the time from Oklahoma. New Mexico is a destination. Um, do you agree that it may? it's kind of like a thing a lot of native people do is kind of go and spend a little time maybe in college there. Maybe they go get a boyfriend or girlfriend there. It's not unheard of in my friend group, family group, to just spend a little time or have spent some time in New Mexico. So that didn't that wasn't odd to me. Um, tell me about her time in New Mexico and the threats from the boyfriend. Absolutely. So she had a boyfriend um, there in New Mexico. They had met online. He was a, a few years older than, not a few, he was several years older than her. Um, he, uh, he, him and Aubrey uh, 
went and began Aubrey's physical transition into uh, transition um, into the woman she is. And in that time, uh, you know, everything was. She didn't really. She would talk to us here and there, but it was more like reaching out, saying, "Hey, I love you. I miss you. How are you doing?" And we would let her know, and she kind of go back and forth. But um, after she had come back, uh, she had told my sister Pam, who you'll speak to, that he had made a statement that if he ever leaves her, that she would kill him. And she said the reason that she had left, uh, or the reason that she had left, was because the relationship was unhealthy, it was toxic. And he turns around and tells after she has went missing, he tells uh, the local newspaper there in northeast Oklahoma that she had come back to get counseling for substance abuse and things like that. And so he was just painting her in a negative light. She was wanting to come back and he had made that statement. And for all of this to happen a few months after she had come back, it's really, really unsettling. And we had brought that to the attention of law enforcement after she had went missing, because whenever the post began to make the rounds, people were commenting. And that was the first thing everyone was realizing was her social media is public. You can see who all comments on there. And on several of the posts, he was on there making statements, uh, making rude statements to her, uh, just degrading her in general. And people were like, uh, is he being looked at? Is he being looked at? And we even had people that were, that were confronting him. And he just, he was, he's made, he, he's made it very clear that he wishes harm upon Aubrey. But we reached out and told law enforcement. Law enforcement had stated that they had interviewed him and that was, that was the run of what we were told in regards to uh, interviewing the ex. So we weren't given any kind of alibi or anything in details as to what had, where he had been or if it had actually checked out. We did our own research that we could do to looking at his social media and seeing that a day or two before Aubrey was reported missing that he was in New Mexico. But 48 hours, that drive is about 15, 17 hours. Um, wait, around... 10 to 15 hours, I apologize. Um, no problem. And so it's easy, that would be an easy drive. Well, since then, they haven't said anything else. Law enforcement hasn't said anything else about uh, in regards to him or anything like that. But we've noticed that since Aubrey has went missing, he actually moved from New Mexico. <laughs> and his Facebook now says that he lives in Maine. Okay. Perfect. Not perfect, but yes, perfect answer. Thank you. Um Christian, what would you like to see done by our audience? What would you like to see done by law enforcement after that? I just, I want people to be more aware of everything that's going on around them. My family and I, we've, it was a literal shock for this to happen, for all of this to happen to our family. You see these posters and missing, missing people online and you should, sometimes you share them and sometimes you don't until it actually happens to you. And whenever it happens to you, then you start, then you realize that, that all of these people, all of these people on these posters, they have families like ours who are waiting for the return, who are waiting for that call to let them know that their loved one's okay or to let them know where their loved one is. And I just, I want people to be more aware that all of this stuff is going on around us before I would go out and see, you know, um, different, I mean, you see life every day, but in certain scenarios, you see certain things. And now I'm like questioning when I see, um, 
women and sometimes even men and it looks the situation that they're in just by their body language i mean very judgmental but that's where i am now is like looking at them i'm like are they being trafficked are they okay and just like you can't obviously just go out and bluntly ask someone that but we just need to be aware that things like this they're not happening in third world countries they're not happening in war zones they're happening right here it's our neighbor it's our loved one it's everyone right here in front of our own eyes also that are going through this that are being trafficked that all of this that we thought was happening next door is really or next door in the sense of the country is right here it's it's at home and that's something that we need to begin working on we have to actually acknowledge it before we can begin working on it as a community absolutely speaking of the community how do you feel about um how can you how do you think we as the LGBT community can change law enforcement's ideas behind abolishing the idea of high-risk lifestyles and not seeing, quote-unquote, homosexuality or an alternative sexuality as a high-risk lifestyle in general? Or what do you think, if you could say to the law enforcement that isn't listening so far and doing nothing besides swear words and <laughs> upset things, I would say, what would you say to them? I would tell them that there's in the sense of a high-risk lifestyle there's no one group that is a high-risk lifestyle when you get in your car and you leave to go to the grocery store that's a high risk because you can't control what all goes on around you when you walk out of your door every day you can't control what's going to happen that day so to say to point out a specific group and say that because of who we love because of who we choose to surround ourselves with i mean i guess in that in that sense i probably uh uh, I apologize. Um, no, you're fine. Just like who we love and who we love, we can't, obviously we can't change that. And because of that, we shouldn't be told that we have high-risk lifestyles. And the fact that we, things that we can't control shouldn't determine a high-risk lifestyle. Things such as, I mean, there should, there should be no high-risk lifestyle when it comes to looking for someone that's missing. There, that shouldn't be an excuse that's given to the family. That shouldn't be an excuse that's given to the public. Everyone that goes missing should be given the same amount of attention as the next person. And to dismiss them, to dismiss the family because of different views, whether it's political, whether it's religious, whether it's um, just any kind of different views. As you, as you said, you're, these people are paid to be put in, to be in that position. They signed up to be in that position so they need to help the public because the public continues to progress and that's the views that they hold they need to be more open-minded in that sense instead of looking for an excuse to give the family the reason that this is the reason that this happened to your loved one because of who they love because of who they who they are who they've been that's that's not an excuse that's unacceptable i agree what do you see and what can we help with in the future of the investigation? I just, I think that I see people continuing to share Aubrey's face and that is so much comfort and just knowing because whenever we first began, we didn't know where to begin. We just put it out on social media and my sister started making calls and then we were making, we were both making calls. We were just trying to get the ball rolling on something. And then, uh, it continued to pick up. So we, we continued to want to see people sharing her face, keeping her voice out there 
because right now the fact that she's not here to have her own voice to have her own presence we need to make sure that it's still known that because of the law enforcement's difference different views of who she was that doesn't that shouldn't make her as a person her as a being or my family irrelevant we continue to want to be her voice we continue to want to make her presence known whether it's uh sharing her flyer whether it's talking about her to other people whether it's you know listening to the podcast continuing to keep her presence her name her voice everything out there that continues to let them know that she's not been forgotten and that we're not going silent until we get answers because there have been too many balls that have been dropped in this case and there have been too many things that have been overlooked or not even looked into and there's just we're we're not happy with what has been done so far because we know that there were multiple opportunities to do better and the fact that they chose not to speaks volumes Absolutely. And we agree with you 100%. I'll even speak for Summer on this one that we hear it broken, broken. And on this special Aubrey edition, that's why we want it to be called, say her name, Aubrey Dameron. And our last question and not keeping you all night. What are some words of encouragement for others in the same situation with missing family members with uncooperative law enforcement or uncooperative possible other family members? What would you say to the other families of the missing? I would tell them to just to keep going. There's going to be days where you feel like everything is working against you. There's going to be days where it feels like everything that you've been working toward is no longer. It's it's feel like you've you've lost everything all over again. Continue to put her face out, put their face out there, put their name out there, put the information out there. Continue to make those calls. Continue to the people who want to help. Let them let people help. You're not in this alone. There's so many people out there who are wanting to help and who can be of assistance to you, whether it's uh, a search team, whether it's information that they may have, or even if it's just an ear for you to talk about it to someone too. Um, there's so many different things. Just continue to be at it because once you go silent and once you accept the fact that no one's fighting for your missing loved one, that is whenever their voice goes silent also. So you just continue pushing forward. What is a link to... Um, somewhere we can send um, the GoFundMe account or Amazon, something that we can send for the continued efforts for finding Aubrey? That is a really great question. Uh, <laughs> we'll put links on the podcast. I just wanted to yes. know if there was something yeah. we could send you, but there are those things available. Yes, they are available. Um, Aubrey's reward fund, uh, just a donation to the GoFundMe for us to go ahead and um, continue to go out there. I mean, we have um, Northeast Oklahoma American Indian Movement who have been going out there and who have been with us all along, like whenever they're, whenever law enforcement, not that uh, not going to start a bash or anything, but with law enforcement not being there, whenever we go down to Kenwood, we have to make sure that we have a group with us just to kind of uh, give us that comfort because they know the area, they know the people there and uh, they, we, or I apologize, whenever we have uh, the searches or things like that. We go out there and search. We want to make sure that they have food, that they have water, things like that, because these the humidity out here in Oklahoma is a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And again, the reward fund, just any anything whatsoever, we would greatly appreciate it, uh, because we we like many families that are out there, 
we are her voice and we are the ones that continue to go out there and search for her. As sensitive as it is, if you could imagine the idea of someone that knows something, Aubrey herself, or someone that has caused some harm to her or something like that, if you could speak directly to her or those people that could reach out or might have information, what would you say? It's, it's time to speak up. It's, it's been five months. It's been time to speak up. This should have never went on so long. My family has lost countless nights of sleep. We've, we, our hearts drop every time the phone rings. Our hearts drop every time a message comes through the page. We're just, we're so, we want her home so bad. And we know that we've been told by professionals that due to the time frame that she's been gone, that bringing her home the way that we want to is most likely not a reality, but there's trafficking that goes on. Um, and either way, we just, we want Aubrey home. It's time for her to come home. She needs to be with her family and just, you can do it anonymously. If you visit Aubrey's page at facebook.com forward slash missing Aubrey Dameron, there are phone numbers there to the Spanish scouts. You can call in, you can give a tip anonymously. And we just want to know where Aubrey is. We want to know where she's at so we can bring her home. And what would you say to Aubrey? I would tell her I love her and that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that she ever felt alone in this world or that she couldn't call her. I mean, she would always call. She would always message. I would just let her know that I love her and that I would give anything to have her kiss me on the forehead and give me a hug one more time. That's beautiful, Christian. And that's thank you so much for that statement and even going into that part of your heart. It might be important for people to hear that and hear you and how you feel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for playing phone tag with me all week. Thank you for protecting our friend Pam and uh, your family. And we're going to do all we can to bring Aubrey Dameron home. Say her name, Aubrey Dameron. Aubrey Dameron. Thank you so much. We love her and we love you. You can contact the podcast at brokebrokenpodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found online at www.brokebrokenpodcast.com, on Twitter at Broke Broken Show, on Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube.